Um, it is my pleasure to bring the message to you today. And before I say anything, though, I just invite you to join me in prayer as we prepare to go into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray and I just thank you, God. Lord, for the gift of worship. Lord, for the gift of fellowship. God, I pray that you would just bless this time as we go into your word. Lord, let us understand things clearly, Lord. Let us be able to take things away that we can put into our lives, God. Let us be better Christians, Lord. Let us be better encouragers. And I pray that as we talk about encouragement today, Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, as we learn and as we, as we just worship together in unity, God. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. So today is my absolute joy and pleasure to talk to you about the third topic in the Heart of the Family series the topic of encouragement. Um, the Heart of the Family series, of course, is all about family, and specifically our church family. Um, and in any family, there is a great need for encouragement. So before we get into the text for today, let's just define what encouragement even is. Encouragement, as defined by the Webster Dictionary, is to make someone feel more determined, hopeful, or confident. I would add to that definition um, and call encouragement for believers to make someone more determined what? In their pursuit of righteousness, hopeful in the salvation of the Lord, and confident in their Savior, Jesus Christ. We were asked in the beginning of the sermon series, when we were taught about being uh, forgiveness, or uh, talk about the topic of forgiveness, to think about one time that somebody had hurt us. So I ask you, when was the last time that someone encouraged you? How did that make you feel? What action did that encouragement lead to? And while you think about that, I'm just going to share you a quick story of how the Lord encouraged me during a pretty tough time in my life. So for those of you that, that don't know me, a very large part of my life has always been music. I've played guitar from a very young age, and I've sang, and I've written songs, and it's always been a very large part of, of who I am as a person. And anybody in this room or who is listening to this online right now who is any type of artist will most likely be able to empathize with what I'm about to say. When you create art, it is a very vulnerable thing. You are putting your emotion into something and you're presenting it to the world. And when you do that, you open yourself up to people in a very intimate way, but you also open yourself up for incredible hurt. There was a very long time, uh, a period of time in my life where I was going through a pretty bad creative slump. I used to have all these big dreams when I was younger that I was gonna tour the world, I was going to play music professionally. I was going to be the Christian John Mayer. I think that's what I wanted to be. Um, I went to songwriting competitions in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and there was one in particular. I got up in front of the judges, and I sang an original song that I wrote. I was so excited and nervous, and when I finally got up to play, my nerves completely ruined my performance. My hands were shaking so bad that I butchered the chords, my throat was tight because I was nervous and I was cracking my voice. Probably looked like I just started puberty at age 16. It was really bad. Um, my, it was just terrible. So I remember the judge clearly saying to me, you know, Matt, if you had just submitted this to the songwriting competition, you might have had a chance, but you submitted this to the performance competition. I almost cried. It was very, very... It was humbling, so it was incredibly humbling, and it's safe to say I was just a little bit discouraged. So fast forward a few months later, and I'm driving to my job at St. Luke's Hospital. I randomly decided to put on the first song that I ever wrote, and it was a song called Mountains. And as I'm listening to that song, I remember starting to get emotional, 
and thinking about the passion that I used to have for songwriting and for worship, because that was a worship song. The song I'm talking about was all about crying out to the Lord in the middle of distress and relying on him for strength. So the song was about halfway through, and I pulled it to a stoplight, and the car in front of me, it's the weirdest thing, had this huge bumper sticker on the back of the car. Like, I'm talking like from bumper to bumper, just big red letters that said, I love mountains. (laughs) Right? Like the song that I'm listening to by the same name at that exact moment. And I just had chills come over me. Because what I felt God was saying to me in that moment was, I love that song because you wrote that about me and I love you a lot and I wish you would write songs like that again. And ever since then, I've had my love for worship and worship songwriting back. And the point of that story is that it was absolutely rejuvenating for me when the Lord decided to visit me like that and encourage me. And it's our job as Christians to be encouragers like that who remind others of Christ's love for them and the safety they can find in a life devoted to them, to him. At this point, I'm going to invite you guys to get out your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5 today. Um, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to give you a moment to turn there, and then I'll start reading it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11 reads, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day." We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This this section of scripture is incredibly powerful. There are multiple reminders in this scripture of the encouragement we have as believers from the Lord. We are not in darkness, but in light. We are destined, not destined for wrath, but for salvation. All of these powerful statements serve to remind us that we serve a God who is the great encourager himself. But the most important part about all of this in this section of scripture is that call to action at the end. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. In this message, we're gonna be looking at how we can find encouragement as believers and why it is our responsibility to encourage and some practical ways that we can be better encouragers in our own life. Firstly, it is important to realize that we can only find encouragement and encourage others because of the power of the gospel. We as Christians have an amazing advantage in that we know Christ. The confidence in the Lord is the only way that we can become a Christian who, like James writes, counts it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. I oftentimes wonder, how do people who do not know Christ face this world? How do those who are not saved even get through grief? Where do they turn to in these times? 
As believers, we can be assured that when our loved ones who know and love Christ pass away, that they are in the presence of their Savior and that we are promised an eternity of worshiping together in unity with them in paradise. And that is the only way that we can begin to process and have hope during mourning and find encouragement in extremely discouraging situations. We know this because Paul explains it beautifully later in the same book of 1 Thessalonians in the fourth chapter, starting at the 13th verse. Paul writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, meaning those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We have hope in Christ. So before we go any further with the message, let's just take a look at the Thessalonian church and some of the backstory behind this particular scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5. So Timothy, after he was sent by Paul to go back to Thessalonica, reported that the Thessalonian church was generally doing pretty well, but that it was not all sunshine and rainbows there. You see, the Thessalonian church was struggling with a few key concepts due to the newness of their faith in Christ, mainly they were struggling with the concept of Christ's return and what would happen to those of them that were dying and had already died. They feared that those who had already died were going to miss out on the second coming of Jesus Christ. They also had not expected the initial persecution that they encountered to go on for quite as long as it was going. And we know this because in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul writes, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's coworker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul and Timothy, Paul sent Timothy because he recognized the need in the Thessalonian church for encouragement as they suffered persecution in the infancy of their faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself even famously said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. Not if you have trouble, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus did not shy away from the fact that we will encounter trials, tribulations, and discouragement while here on this earth. But he was so bold in his encouragement to us. He has overcome the world, and if he's on our side, who can stand against? Paul knew the encouraging power of the gospel to aid in endurance during persecution, which was why he counseled and encouraged the church in Thessalonica so much. The encouragement we find in the power of the gospel is the only way to find true joy in this life. While I was preparing for this, this sermon, I was trying to think of some people in my life that have been really just great encouragers to me. And one face kept popping into my head, 
and it was Les Clefman, and he actually just passed away a few weeks ago. I don't know if you all know him, but let me just talk to you about Les Clefman for a second. I had the privilege of worshiping with him here at Cornerstone at March Street Campus for quite a long time, a couple years. And this is when I was a lot younger and a lot less mature in my faith. And one of the things I remember about Les, for anybody that knows him, they're gonna understand exactly what I'm about to say, is that he was an emotional guy, right? Whenever he would even talk about Jesus, he would just burst into tears. And as a young teenager, I didn't really understand why he was doing that. So I'd be standing next to him on stage and I'd be like, he's sobbing. And I'm right next to him and I'm like, I'd be, I'd be tempted to be like, this is embarrassing, right? Do I cry too? Am I supposed to cry? I don't know. Um, but looking back on that, what I, when I think about Les Cleffin, I just picture somebody who was so in love with Jesus. He was so in love with the Lord, and he was so brutally aware of his own sin and how far Jesus had to come to him to rescue him. And it was just so, so good to look back on him and think about that. And, and I just know in my life that I want to be more like him. I can't promise you I'm going to start crying. I, I can't. But I want to be like him in that when I think about Jesus, I want to be so overcome with the weight of that, with what he has done for me. And I want to find encouragement in him like Les Clefman did. And by the way, I cannot wait to worship with him again one day. I can just picture him. He's at the feet of Jesus right now, and his tears are falling. And Jesus is saying, there are no more tears. Stand up and he's just encouraging him right now. Um, so to my, bro- my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, let me just remind you of a few things before we go any further with the message, because if we don't understand the gospel and how beautiful it is, and if we can't find encouragement in the gospel message, we can never hope to encourage others. The only way to find encouragement is to be brought to the point where you are so discouraged with your own efforts to save yourself that you only have to turn to the feet of Jesus Christ. So let me remind you of a few things. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you are loved by God. You are protected by the almighty God of the universe. He loves you enough to take the punishment that you deserve and that I deserve for your sin and my sin, and he takes it upon himself. He loves you enough to be nailed to a cross and killed horribly for you You are safe beneath the shadow of his wing and nothing can separate you from the Lord. No hardship, no persecution, and no sin is too great for him to forgive. And for anyone here today that is not saved, the Lord is waiting for you to call out to him and to receive the free gift of salvation. Psalm 139, 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I mean, think about that. The God of the universe who created everything that you see around you, every person that you see around you, is not only a God of all power and of all order, but he loves you personally, and he loves you enough to take on flesh and to be nailed to a cross and to die for you. So how can we not be encouraged? Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, I have a couple friends here from from Chick-fil-A today, it's awesome. Um, but the, the true Cathy, he was the founder of Chick-fil-A, and he once famously said, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? That person is breathing. There is such a need for encouragement all around us. I was having a conversation recently with someone, and we were just talking about all of the different prayer requests that we have at this church, and just this church alone, and it was a, quite a long conversation. And I remember as we were reflecting on everything that was going on, I was just thinking, you know, to be in prayer for everybody that needs prayer in this church, it's almost like we would have to be in prayer from the moment we wake up to the moment we go back to sleep. 
And, and then I thought, well, maybe that's the idea, right? Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing. So how often do we pray for one another? How often do we reach out to others, visit them in their affliction? I'm personally at the point in my life where I just don't even say, I, I don't want to say, I'm praying for you. I just don't want to say that. Like, I would just rather take the person and pray for them right there or call them on the phone because it's become sort of a, a Christianese type thing that we say a little bit when we say, oh, I'll be praying for you. But for someone like me, when I hear that, I just think, will you, will you be praying for me? I just don't know. But I have been so impacted in my life when people have said, you know what, here, step aside with me. Let's just pray real quickly. It doesn't matter what I've got going on. Let's just take 10 minutes and pray. That is true encouragement. Sometimes... People just need for someone to clear some time out of their day to visit them and to pray with them and to empathize with them. So now that we know how we are encouraged, which is by receiving the gospel and the Holy Spirit, let's flip this around and let's look at why. Why do we encourage? Well, simply we encourage our family because it's our responsibility. In the 11th verse of 1 Thessalonians 5, that call to action reads, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I'm gonna sound like my dad, Pastor Tim, here for a second because I'm gonna get into the Greek language. Uh, whenever he would say what a Greek word meant, I would be like, okay, you know Greek, that's cool. Right, but now that I'm in this position, it feels sort of cool, you know, we're gonna go over the Greek. So uh, we're gonna look at a Greek word that was used in this section for encourage. And what was the word that was used? The noun form of that word is paraclete which is a noun that means Holy Spirit. The verb form of paraclete is a word in the Greek called parakaleo. Parakaleo is a word that means to call to one side or to summon. It was a word that was often used to describe when a ship would break down or suffer damage on a voyage, and the crew members of that ship would raise a flag of distress, hoping another ship would see them and come to their aid. If another ship found them, they would go to the ship that was in distress and patch it up as best as possible right then and there. And if they were unable to fix the ship, then it would be towed immediately to the nearest harbor. And that is the word used in this section of the text that we read today as encourage. The word was used intentionally because it was meant to say, we can't do this on our own. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. We cannot run this race alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they will have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Are we being believers that encourage like that? Believers who lift up our fellow brothers and sisters when they fall and they need help? Are we answering the call and responding when God gives us opportunities to encourage others? Because God will place you in strategic positions to be able to encourage other people. He will use you to encourage others. You just need to be able to respond to the call. I'm gonna share with you guys a story of, of someone who was placed in my life at a very crucial moment to encourage me, and a lot of my friends from Chick-fil-A are gonna know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, I'm gonna honor my friend Daniel for a second. So there was only one time, and Daniel, by the way, if you're listening to this, I love you, brother. You're awesome. Um, there was only one time in my life where I've ever cried during a job interview. My boss at Chick-fil-A, where I work, came to me one day, and he said that he was interested in partnering with an organization 
that takes individuals with special needs and finds jobs for them. I thought that sounded like a great idea and said I would love to be a part of it. About a month later, he tells me that there's a young man named Daniel coming in for an interview. So Daniel walks in, accompanied by his mother and his father, for his interview. And you can just see from the moment that he walked in, he had this smile and this look of joy on his face. Daniel suffers from a disability that makes it extremely difficult for him to to walk and to speak. And also, I'm just going to be honest with you for for a moment here, I was at a point in my life where I had a very bad attitude. There were some things going on in work and in life that were bothering me, and I was just not happy about it. I was responding to it terribly, and I was acting incredibly prideful at the time. So I started asking him some questions, and uh, my my boss and and Cody and a couple other people are in there for the interview, and... um, I hope I don't cry. Okay. All right. So, yeah. I started asking some questions, and then I asked him, Daniel, what do you like to do? One of his answers was that he loves to read his Bible and pray. So I found out right then, that was like the first thing he said. I found out he was a believer right at the start of the interview. Towards the end of the interview, I asked him, after we had asked him all the other questions, I said, oh, Daniel, what does your faith mean to you? What does that look like? And Daniel, who could barely speak and walk, looks me in the eyes, and he says, Jesus is everything to me. And whether I get this job or not, I know that he will take care of me. I mean, here I was. I was perfectly able to walk and to move around and to speak, and I had the bad outlook on life. I had the bad attitude. So I just felt the tears well up in my eyes right when he said those words, and it was like this grip the enemy had on me just completely softened right there in that moment. Daniel was able to encourage me so greatly in that moment, more than he will ever know, And he encouraged me with his love for the Lord that was unchanged by his circumstances in life, where he would be totally justified in being miserable. But instead, he was joyful, and he was so happy. And he is happy. And every time he comes into work, the most consistent guy I know, he just is, he just, every time I leave, God bless you, Matt, I love you. Like, he's just amazing. And God put him right in my path, not for just this reason, but God knew that Daniel was going to be able to cut through that pride that I've been building up and to encourage me again. The enemy will begin to move against you and plant thoughts in your head. The enemy will attack every opening that you have and hack away at your faith. And the enemy will slice you to ribbons if you are alone. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It is our responsibility to encourage our fellow believers and to aid them in the battle for righteousness. It could be as easy as picking up the phone and calling someone just to tell them that you love them and that you care about them. It could be as simple as a text message It could be canceling your plans that you want for yourself so that you can aid someone in need. The best way to tell how much you care for someone is by how often you pray for them. We learned that in one of the sermons last year, and it has stuck with me ever since I heard that. Are we making it a priority to encourage our fellow believers and brothers and sisters in the faith? Sometimes it doesn't really feel like it. 2021 was a very difficult year for everyone, I think. If there was ever a time to be fierce, consistent, and bold in our encouragement, it is right now. The devil is shaking the church, finding out who is going to fall off. He's attacking it hard. 
People who once claimed to profess Christ as Lord are beginning to abandon the faith in rapid numbers as the world continues to disparage the church and to wage war against the good news of the gospel. Hebrews 3.13 reads, Take care, my brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So why does the author of Hebrews call us to encourage and exhort one another? so that we are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what does it look like to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? My brothers and my sisters, the only way that we will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin is if we try to wage the war against the flesh by ourselves. If you are struggling with sin again and again and you keep failing and failing and falling and falling and nobody knows it except for you, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. You are right where the enemy wants you to be because you are in the dark and that is where he operates best. There is nothing the devil loves more than for you to be so ashamed of your sin that you keep it hidden and keep silent. And there is nothing the devil hates more then when we take that sin that is festering and mutating within us and we drag it into the light where others can see it and supplement us with prayer as we seek to overcome it by the power of God. The deceitfulness of sin is something that we should be painfully aware of. J.C. Ryle writes in his book, Holiness, we are too apt to forget that temptation to sin will rarely present itself in its true colors saying, I am your deadly enemy and I want to ruin you forever in hell. Oh no, sin comes to us like Judas with a kiss and like Joab with an outstretched hand and a flattering word. We need to get this mental image of the devil as some 10-foot-tall demon with horns uh, looking like a Balrog from Lord of the Rings. We need to get that out of our heads, way out. Do you really think that the devil would succeed in his mission to distract people from the goodness of the Lord if he appeared to people like that? No, the devil will tempt you and twist your mind by getting to your flesh, and he will use anything against you that will be attractive to you. Alcohol, pornography, drugs, anything that will feel good to your flesh, he will use it against you to crush your faith. Don't go through that alone. What would you rather have, a painful and embarrassing conversation where you go to a friend in tears and tell them what you're going through or a lifetime of isolation and torment as you succumb to the desires of your flesh. Everyone who is listening right now, please, please pay attention to this. If you are in Christ, it does not matter what you did five minutes before you walked into this room. It does not matter what you did last night. There is nothing that you have done that the Lord cannot forgive. We need to confess and repent We need to agree with the Lord that we are sinners and we need to understand that each sin that we have ever committed and ever will commit is a sin that was heaped upon Jesus when he died for us. That is not something that we should go without understanding. He who was without sin bore ours and took our punishment. And if any of you are struggling with guilt and shame, return to the Lord right now with worship and gladness because the word tells us that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. 
and that our sins are forgiven. And please hear this. If you are guilty and broken over your sin, I'm just going to be honest with you, that is a good thing. Because that means that the Holy Spirit is moving in your life and is pushing you towards repentance and holiness. If any one of you is listening to this and you do not know Christ, the time is now. He is waiting for you to respond to the call. Are you broken over your sin? Do you want purpose and encouragement for your soul? The only way you can find it is by giving your life to Jesus. I'm just going to tell you anything you try to put in your heart and in your soul cannot fill that void that is there because sin has wreaked a huge hole in your heart and it can only be filled with Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up as I, as I begin to close here. Encouragement. We all need it from time to time. More realistically, we all need it daily. And if you need encouragement, you can be sure that the person next to you needs encouragement. How beautiful would this world be if we did what Philippians 2 tells us to do and we did nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility we counted others more significant than ourselves. Bill Withers nailed it in his song, Lean on Me, the lyrics of which go, you can probably hear it in your head. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need someone to lean on. God is going to put you and probably right now has you in positions where you can be an encouragement to someone else. Are you going to answer that call? Will you encourage those in your life to daily go back to the cross and the feet of Jesus? And if you need encouragement, there is personal responsibility that is necessary. Are you putting yourself in a position where you can be encouraged? Or are you shutting yourself off from your friends and isolating yourself? I've encountered what it's like to try to encourage someone, but they're so determined to be discouraged that they block out every possibility of encouragement. Don't let that be you. We worship God the Father who is the greatest encourager. Let us be believers that truly believe and meditate on the word of God and who answer the call of responsibility to encourage our family. Rachel, would you pray as we get ready to go back into worship? Would you bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just your goodness, Lord, your power that cannot be matched, Lord. God, you are calling us to you, whether we know you or we don't. Um, and we just ask that if we do know you, we would continue to just live a life that is striving to be more like your son, Jesus. That we would come to you and we would ask for forgiveness where we have done wrong. And that we would continue day after day to search for you and in your word and, and learn more about you, God, and teach others about you. And if we don't know you, Lord, um, we just ask that today would be a day that you are really putting it on our hearts to truly have a relationship with you, God. To confess that we are sinners and that the only way to salvation is through your son, Jesus, who died on the cross. So, God, we, we love you and we thank you. I just ask that we would take um, the message that we heard today, Lord, and, and the stories that we heard today, Lord, and that we would just be encouraged by it. That we would be able to encourage our friends and our family first, but then we would bring this into the church, Lord, 
and that we would just encourage one another here because this is the family that will last a heavenly family God we love you so much we thank you for this day we thank you for this week bless us as we go forth and help us to worship um, in this last song God and put you first God in Jesus name I pray amen